This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today I am delighted to have Johnny Mueller. Johnny Mueller is the host of the number one expat podcast, The Expat Files. Many people consider expatriation as a way of lifestyle, uh, whether it's for a better cost of living, quality of life, and uh, Johnny has over 500 episodes uh, with over 1 million downloads. Again, one of the most popular expat podcasts, if not the popular expat show. Very happy to have him on because I think uh, this is more important than ever now that uh, when we look at the U.S., you know, I, 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 I write in the book, you know, reaching the finish line, how there are a lot of bright spots in the U.S. and people can take advantage of it. But when we look at people, especially retirees, many retirees often find uh, a better life abroad. So, Johnny, welcome. Hi, Callan. How you doing? I am doing great. So uh, again, I'm I'm great. Uh, I'm so happy to have you. Uh, I've, I I listened to your show, so I only thought it would be uh, appropriate to um, have you on, and perhaps you can start by uh, you know giving people maybe a brief summary. You know, obviously our our lifestyles are are, are essentially like movies. If you would condense uh, kind of how you um, you know uh, made your way down Latin America. Well, I started out in Chicago as an electrical engineer. Um, uh, basically, my minor was biomedical engineering and satellite communications engineering, which, which uh, qualifies me for just totally ner- nerd work, basically, right? Ah, okay. So what happened was I got really lucky. My brother's an electrical engineer, and I met an, uh, a, a guy from Yugoslavia who had a, uh, a PhD in electrical engineering and in mathematics. And I met this guy by hook or crook because it was way back when, before when the Iron Curtain was still up, and he had some great ideas for some new patents. So uh, I ended up partnering up with him and my brother. We have 12 patents, nanomotors patents, and we sold uh, our patents one, uh, you know, it's to the Defense Department. How's that for GPS satellites? Long time ago. Now we're talking, you know, 30 years ago, right? Uh-huh. And. Uh, I took my share of the profits. I, I didn't want to work so hard. I took my share of the profits and I went around the world for a year. Okay? Uh-huh. And my brother, in the meantime, uh, spent his money buying everyone in Chicago drinks. So <laughs> that's, that's where his money went. I went around the world for a year. And uh, guess what? That was about 26 years now. I haven't, gone, I haven't been back but two weeks in 26 years. So I traveled around the world a couple times and decided I really loved of all the people and all the experiences Latin America. Now, uh, I shouldn't have because uh, I took French in high school. That was one of my the things I had to do over again. I would have taken Spanish and I would have paid attention more. I took French because, you know, girls take French, right? So <laughs> I took Spanish, I mean, I took French and I uh, should have taken Spanish. So I came to Latin America. I ended up first in uh, Costa Rica because I had some friends down there. Remember, this is before the big Costa Rican boom, before anybody even heard of Costa Rica as the hotspot. 
And uh, after it kind of got even overrun way back when, 25, 26 years ago, I went to Cartagena, lived there for a while, Colombia, went to Panama, lived there for a while, went to Honduras, lived there for a while, Salvador, uh, Guatemala, and um, let's see where else. I even lived in the, uh, the islands, Montserrat and Dominican Republic too. So uh, that's my story basically. I loved Latin America so much I just could, decided never to come back. It just nothing drew me back to the States. I just didn't find it necessary to do that. Now this is way before anybody was talking about Big Brother. This is before 9-11 now, Callan, you know? This is way before anything and anybody's concerns about what's happening up in the States now. Everybody still had great patriotism and love for America. Uh, why Latin America? Because many people say, you know, you know, why not, you know, why not Asia? Why not Europe? Uh, why not uh, Oceania, like Australia, New Zealand? Or why not Africa? What really attracted you to Latin America? Well, I noticed one thing that uh, struck me right away, what I call the lag time effect. That seems like uh, when a gringo, we'll call ourselves gringo here, it's not a derogatory term. Some people might think that is, but isn't. We're just all gringos, you know, people from North America, Canada. Uh, you know, I came down here and I noticed that, that things were lacking. When I went to a store, like a convenience store, a corner store, they didn't have what I wanted all the time. They had just the basics down here a long time ago. And I began to notice suddenly, as I'd been down some months and years, that everything that we have up in the States and in Europe and that uh, eventually filters down here some years usually later. I call that the lag time effect. So, you know, most gringos who come down here, they end up being very big business successes. Well, it doesn't have to be big in volume, but at least they have great fulfillment and they, it seems it's easy to start a business for us down here because we almost seem clairvoyant. We uh, decide, hey, like a really good friend of mine, I call him Expat Eddie, couldn't find any sushi some years back. Could not find good sushi at all. This was maybe 10 or 11 years ago now. And, and he, he never had a restaurant before. He didn't know anything about sushi, but he wanted to have good sushi because he loved it. So he started a little sushi corner restaurant. Now he's got, I don't know, 35 of them. You know? So it seems like that's one of the big advantages that when you come down here, you can easily make a go of something that never would have made a go. You never made a go of it up in the States because it's uh, kind of been all, all uh, done before. Everything's been done up in the States before. So you, if you have an idea and you come down here, uh, there are a hundred reasons why you're probably going to make it. Even if you're not a good business person and even if you don't know anything about business, all you have to do is kind of, I always say, don't reinvent the wheel. Just take the wheel as it is and spin it a little faster and polish it up. I like I like the way you put that. So um, let's actually delve in deeper into that, and uh, we're actually going to talk quite a bit. I mean, we're probably probably going to have a whole lot of time to talk about every specific uh, Latin American country. But if you could take this opportunity and uh, talk about, you know, some other Latin American. Let, Let's say for the person who uh, you know really wants to uh, kind of uh, you know get away from the common expat countries uh, like Mexico, like like talk talk about like uh, Honduras, uh, uh, places like uh, Colombia, Bolivia. Talk about those places. Maybe some pros, maybe some cons to kind of give the listeners some contrast. Okay, well, there there are definitely more advanced Latin American countries and less advanced countries. For example. Honduras uh, is a much less advanced country. Nicaragua is coming in there, 
Uh, Costa Rica and Panama, I always tell people, you know, if you want the gringos experience, go to Costa Rica or Panama, or even uh, the, one, the towns on the tourist trail in Mexico, or anywhere a cruise ship stops, by the way. That's <laughs> experience. But, uh, for example, let me talk about Honduras, for example. I was in Honduras uh, looking at some real estate for, for a friend of mine. We were, you know, they always call me up because I built 12 or 15 different projects down here in Latin America, you know, small stuff, houses and small yeah. office buildings. And my friend said, you know, I want to buy some land. He realized by looking in the Honduras paper in the San Pedro Sula, which is the second biggest city in Honduras, it's got about a million people, let's say, and he, he wanted to rent a warehouse because he's in the garment business, okay? Wanted to rent a warehouse. He's in the garment business in Guatemala. And he couldn't find any warehouses to rent. He couldn't find any. So he says, I'm gonna buy some land and I'm gonna build some warehouses and rent them out, right? Uh -huh. So he, uh, he's looking around and he says, well, but first I gotta find a place to stay. And I like loft living. I like lofts, he says. You know, he's from uh, New York and he's uh, had a loft, you know. You know, loft is just basically an old factory usually that someone converted into open spaces. You know the loft. Yeah. The loft system, the loft thing's been around probably since the 60s, maybe even the 50s in the Beatnik era, right? In the States. Well, first of all, we got a hold of a, a real estate person in Honduras. And he says, Scott, why don't you show me some lofts? And you know what the lady said to him? She said, this is in Spanish now. Lofts? Oh, uh, she says, Latin Americans would never buy that concept. We'll never buy lofts. <clears throat> That's a gringo thing. The Latin Americans like to live close together. We like our neighborhoods tight. We, like, we almost like to have common walls. She's like trying to talk them out of it. There's no lofts in San Pedro Sula. However, if you go to Costa Rica, 20 years ago, there was no lofts. Now, there's lofts everywhere. Everywhere in Costa Rica. Why? Because they always pick up on what's happening up in North America, according to this lag time thing. Now, when, uh, 25 years ago, when I was in Costa Rica, I could not find a loft either. You know, I'm from Chicago, but we're used to lofts. And uh, I wasn't necessarily looking for one in particular, but I was told exactly the same thing by the real estate person in Costa Rica. Lofts? Oh, Latins will never buy lofts. That's a gringo concept. Latins love to live close, in close quarters. Neighborhoods that are tight. So you can see where I'm coming from. Yeah. <laughs> Things happen down here, but it takes time. So if you just have the basic kind of gringo mentality, you're going to find opportunities around the corner. In fact, I started a, uh, a little scrapbook when I first got, got down to Latin America, just writing down all my ideas of business ideas. You know, I got five scrapbooks now. I can imagine. Simply, ex you know, gringos, they can look at what has worked in the States you know, uh, realize that, well, they don't have this. And, and, and often many countries like to follow uh, the ways of the U.S. and Canada and just just take that same concept and duplicate it and duplicate it in a Latin American country. So let's get into South America. Let's talk about some countries there. Maybe let's talk, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Colombia. Let's start there. Well, I, I used to recommend Colombia a lot for the beginning gringo that wants to really get away because once you cross... Uh, the, the Darien Swamp, which is the swamp that connects uh, Panama and Colombia, that's uncrossable. There's no road. You know, there's no road that you can take from Panama and um, bridge it to Colombia and go to South America. And that's why when you talk about immigrants up in the States, you know, the so-called illegal immigrant problem up in the States, you, you rarely meet Colombians. 
Yeah. You barely beat Argentinos. You barely beat Peru, uh, Peruvianos because they have to have enough money to fly to the States, you know, because yeah. you can't kind of, you know, hoof it, hoof it in the night with a backpack on. So <laughs> South America is different, in, in, really, in, in, the, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. It's a little slower, a little bit more laid back. The, the American influence, North American influence, hasn't hit them hard like it has in uh, Central America. However, there are some cities that now, I, I have to say, are pretty much on the Gringo tourist trail, simply because some of the retirement magazines, AARP and International Living, you know, there's a lot of blogs out there, a lot of expat information now that, like you said, retirement, Social Security will not, you'll, you'll be eating cat food up in the States if you want to live on a Social Security check right now, you know, especially yeah. if you're from or a big city. You know, yeah. how's $1,500 a month gonna, gonna last up in the States? You know, really these days. So, but down in, in Central and South America, uh, $1,500, I would say you can triple or quadruple that, and that's what you'd have effectively if you were living up in the States. So, if you're making $1,500 uh, a month in the States, that would be, I mean, 50, I'm sorry, let's make it a year, $15,000 a year, let's say. That would be like making about forty dollars or $50,000 a year up in the States. If you had that same money wire transferred down to you, direct deposited, which Social Security checks are all over the world now. Yeah. If you were living in Peru or Paraguay, or but there are places to stay away from too. If you're looking, if you're looking just to live on that kind of money, I would not go to Chile. I would not go to Argentina. I would not go to Colombia because um, even though, and this is, I know we're going all over the place here, right? Recently, the Colombian peso has. Um, dropped about 35 percent this year against the dollar okay yeah so so if you have dollars you're going to buy 35 percent more than you did last year but uh but still but still as the gringos move in as the first world people move in and we're always moving into the bigger cities now like cali and Bogota, yeah. and uh as we move in prices always go up so what you might think is a great deal now in five years uh, you know, it's going to be over. It's the same thing happened in Costa Rica. Right now, Costa Rica has a higher cost of living than a lot of American cities. Yeah. So, uh, Argentina. Argentina is a very kind of educated, first world kind of place if you're in the big cities. If you're in one of the big cities, you know, huh. like Buenos Aires. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. I believe it's almost got 15 million people now. Uh, it's very cosmopolitan, very European, but uh, cost of living is going up there too. I mean, uh, by leaps and bounds. So uh, there are there are South American countries that, I mean, we're just talking about the cost of living now, right? Well, um, culture, if you want culture, <laughs> I would say if you really like plays and music and theater and uh, you know literary people, good place to go in the big cities in Colombia or any of the big cities in Argentina. Those are, those are cultural centers, really. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to tell you about DreamHost. DreamHost.com is the award-winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code Kallen, K-A-L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com, PC Magazine, best web hosting service. Basically, uh, Argentina, you know, uh, you know, you scratch that off uh, for the most part. Uh, Brazil, probably not. Uh, Chile, probably not, as you said. Uh, Colombia is kind of getting overrun. And I agree with you about as far as whether it's co 
Condé Nast, so International Living, AARP. Uh, often they, they typically ruin good places uh, because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, they follow those magazines and they take that advice as uh, as gold. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, it, it, all it takes is a, is a magazine article to get shared all across the Internet. And once you know everyone is trekking down, uh, uh, you know, Cali or San Miguel de Allende or, or Cancun or, or, or whatever, or, or now I guess is, uh, what, what's the popular town in Nicaragua now? San Juan del Sur. <laughs> yeah, now's that one now. So uh, I, def- I definitely agree. Um, now, before we actually get into like our countries, because yeah, you're living in Guatemala, I'm living in Mexico, uh, let's talk about some of the more undiscovered countries. Because you talked about Argentina, Chile, Brazil, uh, those type of uh, Colombia, those places. Uh, you know, Ecuador and Peru, they do have potential. I- I've lived in Ecuador for almost a year. Um, so, you know, it, you know that, that, that country, it's, it's, it does have some potential. It does have uh, some, some pros, you know, as well as cons like any other country. But what about countries like Suriname, Johnny? What about Guana? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you look at any of those old movies from the Hollywood days of the 40s and 50s where they show some guy in a rubber plantation flying in his own airstrip and, you know, the uh, the locals kind of taking a siesta. And, yeah. yeah the, the thing is that on that side, uh, uh, that they have a tremendous, uh, that side of South America, um, they have tremendously difficult weather to live in. I mean, I've been there, and uh, it's really, um, when it rains, I mean, the streets do flood out and it's all mud. Uh, the infrastructure is pretty ratty. Uh, sure, they have wireless internet like everywhere because you just put, have to put up a cell tower and you've got it, right? But um, I would keep away from the, the towns or the cities and the uh, little countries like Suriname because uh, you're, you're really isolated. I mean, unless, unless you want to completely drop off the map, if that's what you're into, you know? Uh, because they really are like the old movies when you say to yourself, God, uh-oh, here comes the, the, the rainy season. Now I better shutter my house up for, for four or five months because otherwise, uh, you know, life is going to be, I'm going to have to live in a cage, you know. I'm serious. It's really, a, 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 because those countries are at sea level, so you get the brunt of all that weather. Once you get to a country that's got some of the altiplano, we talk about the, my, my favorite place in Latin America, my favorite place to live has always been the altiplano, and I didn't even discover it until I was down here for five years. You know, no one talks about the altiplano. I'm sure you live down here, and, and you're in the altiplano, but did you ever know anyone from up in the States that knew what that was? No, no idea. Because when you look at it, Johnny, most places in the States, uh, like, okay, if you look at the Rocky Mountain Trail and the Appalachian Mountain Trail, that's typically the only areas that have some form of altiplano, but no, it's not as diverse as in uh, Latin America. Yeah, typically um, you don't hear many uh, Americans talking about it. No, and, and the altiplano, for, for those of you out there who probably don't know about it, it's a uh... Uh, highland, it's flat, kind of plateau. It doesn't have to be flat plateau, but it's highlands, usually above 4,000 feet. So from 4,000 to maybe 
12,000 feet. Now it's really high altiplano there, so and it's cold. And but uh, uh, for example, where I like to live, I like to live between four and six thousand feet above sea level because then you have perfect spring weather. Uh, and people don't quite believe that until they actually see it for themselves because when they're flying down to Salvador or Guatemala or even Costa Rica, once you get down here, you, you see people wearing winter clothes sometimes at night, and uh, you're thinking, what? What's going on here? This is you know we're almost we're close to the, to the to the equator and people are wearing winter coats. And so that's why I tell people when they come to my seminar, we do almost all of it in the Altiplano, I say, bring a nice jacket, for a night, not a heavy jacket, but bring it and, and be prepared for it to be pretty chilly. Not gonna be, it's not uh, beach weather up here, you know? Yeah. The Altiplano, only the very, very wealthy people in the Altiplano have a pool, you know? Yeah. You're not, but here, the advantage of being at the Altiplano is that generally within an hour or two's drive, you can get down to a beach and have all that fantastic beach life that you might want to have as a vacation spot. For sure. I would definitely recommend the Altiplano, depending on what type of person you are. Uh, for myself, uh, I live in a town that has uh, 6,200 uh, 6, uh, feet, which is actually, I want to say, is about the maximum for me. And I, I, I can't go any higher than that. I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to cold weather. Uh, so, um, so for me, it's like, it's either, it's, you know, anywhere between kind of that kind of the 6,200, 500 range and below, uh, it's ideal for me because here uh, it gets to about, uh, especially now, uh, as we end the winter months, it's about uh, 40, it's about uh, 45 uh, degrees uh, at nighttime. And during, and during, I would say during like, pretty much like eight months out of the year uh, at nighttime is pretty much, uh, I want to say 55 degrees. But in the daytime throughout the whole year, uh, it's anywhere between 75 to about 82 degrees. So uh, I would agree with you. The Altiplano definitely has lots of benefits. It's not as humid, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, being beer from Austin. It's not like it's not like that. It's not like where it's, it's dry desert, it's dry heat, and where it's pretty much uh, uh, 95 degrees every day, and the low is like 78. It's not like it's nothing like that. It's much more uh, mild. It's much more uh, moderate, and uh, obviously more people will be able to um, enjoy that. So, uh, so yeah, that's great. So, uh, so okay, we talked. So, so basically, uh, we talked about those countries as far as uh, uh, Guana, Suram. Obviously, those are probably ideal countries for preppers or survivalists, you know, since it's like isolated, yes. there's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, and you better know, you better have a four-wheel drive vehicle, man, really, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so those countries, uh, obviously, uh, they're kind of one of a kind, uh, you know, again, talked about the countries of South America to kind of stay away from and as I said before there are countries that you also uh, talk about each other does have potential like Bolivia Peru uh, like I said I lived in Ecuador you know Ecuador is is, is actually one of the uh, better South American countries as well uh, so let's actually go into uh, Guatemala because uh, you've uh, you've been living in Latin America for almost 30 years but you've been living in Guatemala over I believe 20 years is that correct yeah, uh, yes, and, um, usually I'm in and out of uh, Salvador, Guatemala, and I like Honduras. Those are the three countries I, I kind of go around quite a bit through, traveling through. Though I always get around, you know, every year I, I, I'm off for a couple of months anyway to check out other things. You know, the Dominican Republic used to be right. a nice place to be, too. And, uh, I see, so great. Well, definitely tell the listeners, please take note. You know, I get Johnny, Johnny is a, is a, is a, a seasoned 
expat, you know, over, you know, uh, basically 25 plus years uh, in Latin America. And, um, and, uh, and perhaps you could take this opportunity to tell people, you know, out of all of the Latin American countries, why Guatemala? Well, it turns out that Guatemala gets really bad marks on the state, U.S. State Department list as a very dangerous kind of blacklisted country. Uh, it's on a list with, with Honduras, Salvador. So, so it, it even wasn't on my first, it wasn't on my, uh, my agenda either. And I've been in and out of Guatemala going to the airport, things like that. You know, because when, when you're traveling around through Latin America, it's a big hub. The, the city of Guatemala has a, the biggest airport hub. Well, it's now, it used to be the biggest. It's second to uh, Panama now. But uh, so you ended up in the Guatemala airport, and all you saw was the airport. I mean, I saw the airport 10 times before I ever actually spent any time in the city because I was, you know, hanging around in Cartagena and Panama City and stuff, Costa Rica. Well, turns out, you like this story. I, I was, uh, you know, like I said, I never took Spanish, right? And I was in Costa Rica with the gringos, hanging with the gringos, because that's all you have down there. And I was in Cartagena, and that's a kind of a cosmopolitan, gringoized city. Europeans come in, and they're both, you know, it's a port, so it's a huge port. It's a million or so people. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't quite learn my Spanish. I was always with gringos. That's a problem. If you're always with gringos, you're just not going to learn your Spanish. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, three, four years, uh, uh, my Spanish is still isn't good. I couldn't even hardly understand the, the cleaning ladies talking about me behind my back, you know. <laughs> all the good stuff, all good stuff. But uh, so a friend of mine in Costa Rica who's a hotel builder, he's building hotel in Costa Rica, he's a gringo. He says, listen, I own a part of a, of a uh, Radisson. Uh, it's a Radisson Suites. It's in Antigua, Guatemala. Now, Antigua, Guatemala has a lot of Spanish schools. It's noted for, um, you know, immersion programs. Now, remember, and this is 20 years ago now. This is before even Antigua, Guatemala was on the map with, with backpackers. Yeah. You know? So he gave me the keys to his condo. He says, go there for six months. Go to Antigua, Guatemala. Now, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll try it. It seems okay. Radisson, how could I go wrong in a Radisson, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to, to Antigua, Guatemala, and it's a different world. I mean, the place is as safe as Iowa, you know, at least at the time. I mean, it's a little more everything's a little more dangerous now, right? Right. Anyway, I, I spent a year, over a year in Antigua. And during that time, and I remember, you can only speak Spanish in Antigua, at least back then. So you have to learn. You have to learn when you're, with, you're thrown in with the, you know, the mix there. And funny enough, I never had been in the bar business before. I had a lot of businesses in, in, in my day. And one uh, guy at my, in my Spanish school, a Belgian guy, Belgian-Canadian, uh, he's a crack bartender at a, at a place in Belgium. 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 I can't even mix my Spanish up here. And, uh, <laughs> anyway. It happens all of us. That happens, right? So, so we started a business. It, I mean, a bar business. I was the silent partner, kind of, and it just went gangbusters, man. Just because we, we gave it the gringo touch. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't even plan on, I planned on learning my Spanish there and ended up having like the hottest bar in Antigua, which I got, I sold out right away because it's just a little too high profile for me. I see. <laughs> but uh, I like to stay under, I like to stay under the radar because no one bothers you and everything, you know. So uh, the point is, uh, I ended up having this huge success. I stayed in Antigua for maybe a year, year and a half. And um, I got to tell you, uh, Guatemala City is about an hour drive from there, from Antigua. And um, people would always say, all the gringos I'd run into in these Spanish classes and stuff, 
I'd say, you know, uh, how, how you doing? How are things going here? Oh, I love Antigua, but I get cabin fever. There's only 10 or 15,000 people here. I really would love to go to Guatemala City, but it's so dangerous. I hear people are getting shot and killed and kidnapped all the time. I said, where'd you hear that from? Oh, I read it on the U.S. Uh, State Department website, you know? And I said, oh, is that right? And, and then there was some very, very kind of um, curious gringos that would take a bus once a week. It was a shuttle bus from Antigua to a big shopping center right on the edge of Guatemala City. It was a Hilton there. It was a, it was actually a Hilton Towers there, right? Oh. And it was a huge shopping center with no gringos or anything. It was for the upscale Latins in the area. So I did that trip a couple of times. I said, you know, this is, this is first world, man. This is, not, this is great. So I said, What's, where, where's this bad part of Guatemala City everybody's tell, talking about? So then I started, uh, when I, I bought a car and I started driving into Guatemala City every couple of days and I found all the bad areas and knew exactly where to stay away from because you map those out. Guatemala City has 25 districts, you know, they're called zones. And half of those zones, I would never recommend anybody go in day or night. The other half, you could practically walk around with your wallet on your head, you know, and nothing will happen. So you just have to know your area. So, and it's true. Half of that city is a, you know, a, a war zone, but the other half is, I mean, there are very wealthy people in Latin America. Do you know that Guatemala has the highest number of helicopters per capita in the world? I didn't know per that. Capita? Yeah, there's more helicopters per person in Guatemala in that country. A little backwards country. It's not a backwards country, believe me. Anyway, so that's how I ended up going in and out of Guatemala. I got to know all about Guatemala. and. Uh, um, of course, then I ended up building a house in a couple of places on the beach, and then I, you know, you just end up in a place, and, and I liked it a lot, and I know exactly what the good parts and the bad parts of the city are, and uh, I'm not in the city, by the way, I'm right on the border of Guatemala and uh, El Salvador, so, so that's where I am, I'm kind of in the coffee fields. Ah, okay. And, and, and yeah, like definitely Guatemala is one of the more overlooked uh, countries in Latin America. You know, often uh, most expats, they, they head for Mexico, they head for Costa Rica, they head for Panama, uh, Colombia, uh, Ecuador. Even Ecuador is becoming uh, oversaturated uh, with expats now. So, um, Guatemala, uh, definitely, I mean, from listening to your show, uh, you, you know, you being the prime expert on Guatemala, Guatemala definitely uh, has uh, a, a lot of pros. And also from what I've, you know, from what I read on websites, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, I, you know, I, I don't read the State Department website, so I'm not, I'm not moved by, uh, by their, uh, their fear mongering. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps, perhaps um, as we come to a close, I, I know that uh, it's probably too late you know, uh, you know, for the expat wisdom seminar by the time we air uh, this episode, but perhaps you could talk about the July, uh, the uh, seminar in July, and then how people can uh, follow you. Yeah, you know, for the last five years anyway, I've been giving a couple of seminars a year where people come down, usually from the states, all over. They're from all over the world. I've had people come from China and Germany and you know Russia even. You know, uh, they come down and I guide. I do a hand holding boots on the ground tour for a week. Uh, I take them during the mornings. I do seminar uh, from like eight till noon, and then afternoon we we hit the we hit the road. We go to see first world universities. We go to see a lot of my expat friends who are huge successes and came down with nothing. They came down as backpackers, and now they're millionaires. And we and we go through factories. I take you to first world hospitals. 
I show you insurance plans. I, I mean, I, I give you a head start and a fast track on how to come down here and, and kind of skip the first two years of spinning your wheels like most gringos do when they come down here and they don't have something like that. You make a lot of mistakes. You, you, you take two steps forward and maybe two steps back sometimes. So I, what I'm trying to do is give you a head start and kind of help you avoid all the pitfalls that a lot of gringos make when they come down trying to be expats so that, you know, the easy stuff, it kind of gets you over the hump. So, uh, and then, so in the afternoon, we, we have the, the group sessions. We go to uh, um, some of the, we do a huge real estate tour. I know, I'm never trying to sell anything. I don't try to sell real estate. I don't sell anything. That's the way I present my package all the time. I'm not like international living or any of these other, I don't take you to my vivid area and say, okay, now these lots are available for sale. No, no. I show you the good, the bad, and I, the ugly, and I, show, I tell you, uh, you know, how to kind of, how gringos can really make a fantastic life for themselves. And I uh, also show the, you know, I, I take you to uh, a, a lawyer's um, convention and we talk to some Latin lawyers. You get to talk and uh, communicate with them about your concerns, help you, well, because you do need things when you come down here besides just living in house. You have to, uh, you know, set up your residency, which in a lot of cases can lead to a passport. You'll want to open bank accounts. You'll want to maybe get an SA corporation, which helps you protect it and, uh, and uh, not avoid taxes, but you know there are ways to knock your tax bill down to almost For nothing sure. down here, legal ways, and we show you those too. We show you those too. So so when you come to one of my seminars, um, which I give a couple times a year, that I'm giving one, it's probably going to, you know, like he said, like Alan said, it's probably going on right now while you're listening to this. It's in January, early January. The next one will be in July. Providing you know one of the big tipping points in stage doesn't have another we don't have another blowout another economic blowout so as long as things kind of chug along I'll have another one in July. Great, great. And uh, how how can people uh, follow you? Yeah, um, you can just go my my uh, my flagship station is uh, PRN that's Progressive Radio Network uh, in New York and that's uh, just have to look up PRN.FM. It's an easy way to look at it or you can look at the expat files. That's me, that's the name of my show, Expat Files Living in Latin America. You just stick that in Google or your search engine and uh, you'll find all my episodes there. Or you can find me on podbean.com too. I can find, I'm on Stitcher, I'm on a lot of different places. And uh, I have a website that I'm, I'm sharing a website with one of, another expat, one of my early expats that came down to one of my first seminars and he's down here uh, um, just, just easy expert, expat in Guatemala now, John Galton. The, the website is www.thenewexpat.com. You'll find my shows there too and some really cool blogs. And if you go there, I, you'll hear me announce when my seminars are and how to, to find the sign-up sheets and everything. So all you have to do is just listen to any of my shows and I'll, I talk about awesome. them. Awesome. Johnny, thanks for being our guest. John, it was my pleasure. Huh? Hope we can do it again. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs best-selling author and career strategist as seen in Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.